Hello everyone, Men on Mission podcast here with Lindsay and we have a special guest today, Mark Pringle, a good friend of mine, a guy that I sit in circle with on a weekly basis and have done so for a few years, an all-round master DJ and artist. So it's great to have you on the show, Mark. Thank you so much, Lindsay, for having me on. It's uh, only the second time I've done this, but it feels good, exciting. Mm. I knew you'd rock it, man. We always seem to have pretty big conversations around anything and get pretty fired up so this could go just about anywhere and um you know this is on the back end of one of the one of one of my favorite events that i've been to in a really really long time which was your rights of dance 90s Mm. show that you did and um i was sore for days after but man i loved it what did you think it's one of my favorites as well the whole event has started coming together after nearly three years of doing these events just the last few months. So that one just focusing on more of an energetic, fun, nostalgic party, but bringing in all the aspects of the things that have been growing for me as a man from the past events recently, and it just fit together like I've never seen it before. So Mm. we've got 80s this Friday, and I think we're just going to be doing it doing it the same again yeah it sounds mate uh, it kind of feels like for me it's come full circle from my memory of conscious clubbing way back in the day was more that kind of esque mm. style so to see it sort of come back to its roots almost mm. has just been incredible man like i loved it personally i just i love the the stripped back version that you've been giving it mm. and um yeah and also like yeah just watching it peak over the years so for the listeners, Mark and I um, participated in some rites of passage work in 2018 in March. So I guess I'd love to hear it from Mark's point of 2018 view. 2018 it was, wasn't it? Yeah. Wow. That's over three years now. Three and a half years we've been doing it. Tell the story, brother. Yeah, Mankind Project. I had just been sitting in circle for a month or two before I went to that, what were they called? The New Warrior Training Adventure. Life-changing um been into spirituality to some degree since 2012 didn't realize until ages later it was just a lot of bypassing (laughs) intellectual spirituality not practiced Mm. not embodied to much degree Uh, but the the initiation weekend was fundamental in me moving forward in all areas of myself and my life and you know we're in the same group um, and it's funny that we're still, you know, different, you know, different um, men's group, you know, company with, with the Samurai Brotherhood. Samurai now. Brotherhood, different brotherhood, but still every night, yeah, every night, every week. Yeah, it's been amazing. So, what what got you along? What made you sign well, up? Well, Kane Kane Esselman, who we both sat in a circle with, a good friend of both of ours, obviously your mm-hmm. housemate. Um, He'd been doing men's work for a couple of years, especially with MKP. Had been suggesting it. He was going out with a girlfriend of mine and it was just the next step. It just felt like the next step. And for me, running a lot of patterns around immature masculinity, wounded boy behavior, victim mentality, poor me, all these sort of shadows that have been running my life as a, you know, even as a teenager and an adolescent, um, 
it just they needed to be addressed and I didn't know like that was why I was coming to the men's group men's work but that was the divine plan unfolding mm. that that was the key you know there's some some energy here to, to tap into some things to look at some wounding to address some trauma to address some things to become aware of like the awareness is just mm. it's crazy man so was it you leading yourself or did you find the invitation from Kane something that resonated for you to actually step into the new warrior training what really got you over the line um, as far as participating I don't remember but I just knew I had to do it I paid it off $20 a week yeah right yeah wow <laughs> that's thousand, awesome <laughs> That's a lot of weeks, it. man. That's a it lot was. of weeks. It took a little while. Yeah, that's cool though. And I mean, like, for me, it was cool because we were in our. There was probably, say, there was forty men there or fifty men actually doing the training. Mm. We were in a little group of six, mm. so we were in the same dorm for that weekend. Nothing yeah. giving anything away, but it was cool to be in the same same group and and getting connected that way and. And then further from that, we just sit in circle, you know, Tuesday nights together, you know, dealing with our patterns and our very like, you know, for me, not knowing what anxious attachment was back then was just like, I was just running this story that I didn't even know I had, you know, and then fast forward years later, it's like the start of this year, diving deeper into my little boy and nurturing that. What a story that is, you know, and so to have you know, this understanding now of like, for me personally, I know that I'm anxiously attached. And so what that causes in my life, in my relationships and, and that was all running me, you know, and unbeknown to me until this year getting like, I guess the first part for me is like having the awareness. Like once you are aware of something or some pattern that you have, then you can do something about it, but it's mm. not until you actually can put your finger on it. So hundred percent. What was that like for you? Or that what's that been like for you? For me I mean awareness I find I'm constantly having awareness has come up. And it's essential, it's the first step to be able to make a change is to acknowledging the thing. But then the next step is the hardest step, which is the action of how to heal that thing or address that thing. Mm. And I am stuck in the middle and I have been for a while, like so aware it's ridiculous and still struggling with the action to to change the things I want to change and, you know, and, and heal those parts of me that I'm not ha- happy with that are still running and still showing up daily. Mm. Mm. Yeah. It's a, <coughs> it's a daily struggle for me too. And the, I think it's cool to notice or hear it in in Mark's words for the listeners is that, you know, the part of Mark that I admire the most is the magician energy that he brings. So he has this beautiful, like, thinking, critiquing, analytical side of him. And when I hear him say, I struggle with the action, the action to me is the warrior aspect Mm. and Mark developing more and more into Mm. his warrior over the last years that I've known him has been beautiful to watch him in action Mm. in action around rights of dance in action in when you know friendships and relationships Mm. and for most people know him on social media as well because 
you know, at times he can be quite provocative, <laughs> you know, and I think it's great. Like, I think you bring so much, you know, so much to so many people's mm-hmm. lives and, you know, I can take it for granted at times because I sit in circle with you every week. But I think for other people, you know, getting to know you in a deeper way is like, makes all the difference. Mm. And, you know, me personally, I come from way too much action and not enough actual like deep thinking and feeling. So Mm. it's just like, I can feel it on the opposite side of just like, I just snowball my life and just make action when I don't really know what to do. And it's not necessarily a good thing either, Mm. you know? So we're coming... We're coming to the same conclusion from different paths and I really love that, yeah. you know, like to see that side of you. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, we've had plenty of times where we've disagreed, strongly disagreed. <coughs> Not even just disagreed, but just been absolutely like you pissed off with the, the other man, like mm. between us, you know. This mm. I don't remember the last, well, actually, a few weeks ago. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Probably. But it's good because it's helping me that sort of stuff is helping me. Okay, I've got an issue with this man. I need to talk to him about it. Mm. You know, I did that at the Wolverine with a man. Mm. At the end, I hadn't seen him in a while, and I needed to, I needed to say something before I could be authentic around him. I couldn't fake. Yeah, you're all good. Mm. The stuff there, and he really appreciated it. And it was, it was very clean in the way it was done. And we stood face to face about thirty minutes. <laughs> yep. There wasn't much charge or anything in it. That's what I love about this this work and us. It's like, yeah, I've got an issue with you, man, and I want to talk to you about it. Mm-hmm. And we do. Yeah, it's not even an issue about you. It's just like this behavior or this thing you did. Yeah, that, that brings up in me a story that yeah. I long held as true yeah. or that it no longer serves me, that I want to have be different. Yeah. And... You know, I feel like even though we've only known each other for a couple of years, I feel like we've packed in more relationship than what people can have if 30 years of friendship. Yeah, well, it was deep and meaningful. It was mm. quality over quantity. Totally. You sit in circle every week and, man, you learn everything about a man. Yep, yep, all of it. Yeah. I guess that's the part that I love the most about men's work. What keeps you coming back? What keeps you accountable to men's work? I wouldn't have any friends if I leave. <laughs> Is that the truth? No. <laughs> uh, I guess there's truth in it, but it's not the reason. Um, mm. Straight off the top of my head, it helps me with account- staying accountable. It helps me stay uh, committing, staying committed to something, two things that I struggle with. Um, funnily enough, both strong traits of the warrior archetype. Um, the growth... Also now it's wanting to be of service to other men. I I f- often forget that I've got I've been through a lot of experiences as a human and I've got a lot of wisdom I think and feel that I can I can Im- give to men. And you know I forget I, I we're in this community of you know pretty epic people. And I'm very proud of the community I belong to, the worldwide one even, you know, the conscious community that we are in specifically. I think there's some amazing people in that, mm. like legit people, like grounded, real, but very real tapped in and into all the things. And, oh, that's my point. It's gone. It's okay. I'll we'll just come back. I wanted to make a good point then. Speaking of to the, to why men's work? 
Oh, the comparison, mm. the comparison trap. I feel I get stuck in that a lot because you know everyone on my Facebook is these epic people, people I'm friends with, people I admire and I want to be influenced by, mm. like a healthy feed I have. But I have noticed that because it, it's like an automatic thing, I don't know whether it's a human thing that we're conditioned to compare ourselves and look up to someone and go, we need to be there to be happy. And so I forget sometimes that I can actually, I've actually got a lot of stuff I can give. We'll talk about men in this instance and knowing that a lot of men are so new to this work and that doesn't matter. They'll probably have stuff for me through their life experience. But coming back to that just belief that I can serve and I can, I can give something, some pieces to men and that feels really good and I'm embracing that a lot more. Mm, well, I think you always have like epic stuff to share when we sit in circle. I do know? like to talk as well. I do like to be seen. Mark definitely <laughs> likes to talk in men's That's group. That's the magician, <laughs> man. And it's, I've realized that this year, earlier this year, that this is like my archetype. A lot of the time it's playing out in its shadow form, granted. But I've really been thinking how to cultivate this gift mm. of the mind mm. and the voice seems to be connected and i'm still exploring that and it's exciting absolutely man and it's been epic to watch the journey you know you in the time that i've known you have really found your voice you know mm. and i watch it inside of your events where you get to be real vulnerable raw mm. yourself charismatic all the epic parts of you get to shine in those in those moments, mm. you know, and to facilitate the way that you do and to be a DJ as well. It's just like, you don't just hide behind the decks. You used know? to. Yeah, of course. I used to up until recently and I was saying that to someone recently that that's become my favorite part of these events is opening the space and talking and no matter how many people there, I feel so comfortable and I give myself permission to be me in it because um, I take influence from Dane Thomas's way of facilitating you know, been in the spiral training a couple of times and sat with him a couple of times as well. And I love that about him. And I feel like this is just, it was almost just permission I gave myself based on, yeah, that's what he's like. And it's really good. People really resonate with it. And I've had this thing was like, okay, if you're going to come and give me feedback after the event, just tell me I'm a really good DJ and tell me the music is good. It hardly ever happens. I think in three years, one person said, you're a really good DJ. I'm like, thank you. <laughs> It took me an hour to piece this transit and make the transition between songs. Mm. But what people are saying now, which I'm actually really receiving deeper than anything I've received through these events, is I really love the way you spoke at the start. You're a really good public speaker. You're very authentic and raw and funny. I said, this is, that feels good to receive because this is coming through naturally for me and it's breaking through a lot of fears around extreme shyness as a child and adolescent you know fear of talking especially in front of people mm -hmm. I, I have more fear of sitting in a circle and talking on monday nights than i do in my event in front of 40 50 60 70 people which is weir very weird i don't know why but i realized that last monday 
<laughs> I do not see that in you, but if this is the experience, right? So, and this goes to all the listeners. It's just like even the people that are closest to you are battling something that you might not even mm. know about, mm. and they're barely aware of it themselves. Mm. They only get it fed back to them in those brief moments in their life mm. if they're ever willing to lean into their edge, you know? And you spoke about the awkwardness as a child. What was it like growing up? Where did you grow up? Where were you born? Yeah, Palmerston, North New Zealand, 1984. Uh, moved around a lot in New Zealand growing up uh, and settled in Auckland for a while um, from age of 15 to 24, which was good. Been in the city, you know, got into music, to sound engineering, just diehard metal it was all i cared about was metal guitar literally all i cared about likewise man yeah <laughs> far out. we could even go on a, anyway <laughs> we'll go down that road still my favorite music but um yeah my childhood was great i feel like it was pretty like pr- pretty normal my parents are still together after 40 something years they're still pretty happy mm-hmm. um the the piece around my childhood that I struggle with was I had curfews, like bedtimes, after school curfews, even up until early teenagers, and that really affected me and it affected my self confidence mm-hmm. uh, and self worth around like, why can't I do these things? My friends are out there doing these things, you know, my friends don't have to be home at this time after school. And, you know, I know why my mum did it and it doesn't matter, you know. I love them and I have no no resentment at all everyone is doing the best they can and me being you know my partner in my relationship for a year now my partner has a nine-year-old son holy shit this is not easy I mean I'm integrating into it in a different way than an actual father of a child but I'm having to relearn so many things okay he's triggering me that's not about him. This is me. Sure, he's being a shit right now, but mm. the whole point of what I'm doing right now is he's here to serve me mm. in this way of like humility, like radical humility. Yeah, that's the that's the beauty or the trick in parenting. It's just like they teach us so much. And you've got to get out of your own way. You've got to get out of you've you. Re- I have to. I say I'll try and own that. I have to focus on my reactions. I'm allowed to feel what I feel, and that's okay. But I don't want to react mm. because it's a little child, you know, who's grown into their through their own experiences and that. So uh, then I lived in Queenstown for a while, worked on the bungees. Life changed dramatically then. I became a DJ in 2010, playing in Queens, Queenstown's biggest, craziest club. We were playing Party Rock Anthem twice a night back in 2010 when it first came out. What um, club was that? The World Bar. Oh. Yeah, place. I remember that. I've actually <laughs> been to that in 2007. Great I went there for my place. honeymoon. The yeah. locals hated it, but the tourists frothed at it. Yeah. Was there a big globe, like yeah. a big metal or some yeah. sort yeah. of structure? It's burnt, the venue's burnt down now, but really, I think they've got a new one somewhere. I think it burnt down like a, what, a few years ago. Fuck. We had a fire. Mm. But yeah, um, so I lived in Queenstown for a while, moved to Perth 2012, not happy. I had an anxiety breakdown due to anxious attachment in 2011 in Queenstown. Uh, that forced my hand to pick up a lot of marijuana to self-medicate, mm-hmm. and that led me down into an anxiety disorder and moved to Perth and just started my spirituality journey and got off this, got off the drugs and 
and just lived in been in Australia since now on the east coast yeah right so for those of the people that are listening out there that are dealing with addiction of some sort the understanding that mark i think just like really eloquently put together then was just the fact that he had some type of trauma happen something triggered Mm. some earlier trauma or patterning and then he chose to then subdue it with something Mm. you know i think that's so common i've got friends that you know say they have a breakup they then go back to old habits very quickly and it's just like how does this why does this happen you know like was there any sort of deeper knowing the what you know now mm. could you put a, your, a finger on it as to what happened or why it happened the way it did i think i think it was just the dynamic of my family I think it was um, the dynamic with that. I think my mum was, um, you know, she had she, she was very concerned that something would happen to us, and I understand that now. But back then, it was just like, fuck, like, just let me, yeah, let me do my thing, let me do what I want. Like I'm a kid, yeah, nothing's gonna happen. Felt a little bit smothered, or a little bit, but and I understand why now, and I do, I can see it. You know, yeah. my mum we're her greatest achievement and you know she loves us me and my two my two siblings more than anything and so there's a i can only imagine because i don't know the feeling and the concern a parent would have at the at the idea of potential thing happening to their their kid i can only imagine how crazy that would be so i can see that it was a protection from my mum from my mum but obviously no one knowing how it would translate later into life in terms of the conditioning that needed to be unconditioned mm. or deconditioned. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I've shared that on this podcast too. Like my upbringing's been, you know, I love, you know, I wouldn't change a thing, mm. you know, in that sense. It's, it's for me, it's like being open, real and raw with with us together and our listeners. It's more just like the, the, the deeper I can share, the more people can get from it mm. or learn from it, you know, so... Was it something, so something happened in a relationship in Queenstown is what you yes, said? Yes, I became very attached to a backpacker and it wasn't good from the start. It was very toxic mm-hmm. and I thought I had a stomach condition like worms or something and the doctor's like, you've got anxiety. Oh, Gave wow. me antimedic- antidepressants and it was it was crippling. There was 30 seconds, a 30 second window from when I woke up to the anxiety hitting me like a train 30 wow. seconds in the morning i had to call in sick at this job i loved at bungee they didn't know what was going on they were just you know just man up kind of thing mm-hmm. so i had to leave this this life that i love but i was also in a wreck mm. and the next day i got back to my parents and wasn't smoking and there was no anxiety yeah right anxiety came and go came and went on and off and it's, st- it's still there and it gets triggered by similar things that it did back then. Mm. And that's why I'm so grateful for my relationship and the reflections that have been given to me in the past year with, with her. And the stuff's come up like I haven't seen it in years. Yeah. And it's been great. Yeah. When it's you're single, nothing triggering happening, no. right? Yeah. <laughs> you just, oh, well, well that sorted. Getting triggered be rejected by girls not giving me the numbers or not following up on a second date or a message. That's the triggers, but that's... I feel like that stuff comes up in a relationship, but you actually have the opportunity to work deeper on it because mm, you've got some, someone's there with you doing the work. Yeah, 
for sure. And so you went from Queenstown to to Perth. Mm. What was it in Perth? Why Perth? So my friend that I was living with in Queenstown and working with a French guy, Fabrice, my best friend at the time, his year visa was up. Him and his partner moved to Perth. And a year later was when I went through my stuff in Queenstown and left. And he's like, man, come over here. And I had two other f- friends from school just living the Aussie dream. Mm. Making 30 bucks an hour just working a job. Yeah, right. <laughs> Compared to New Zealand. Yeah. Big wage difference for sure. And so what what particular, um, you said spiritual journey. Mm. What did you pick up mm. or what did you start to learn? All of it. Yeah. I got into conspiracy theories, spirituality and personal development at the same time. <laughs> no one wanted to talk to me. Um, it was ridiculous. I was just like, it, it was all this intellectual knowing. It was like, there was nothing embodied. It's, I mean, there's probably some stuff, but it was it was an intellectual experience for many years for me getting into this work. I'm, I'm glad I went into it all because I got to see the conspiracies and the fact that I already went down that very deeply for a good couple of years allowed me to stay away from it last year when the COVID was happening. It's like, yeah, cool. Okay, this thing's happening. There's probably something going on behind the scenes. I'll never know what the truth is. I'm not even going to go down the rabbit hole. Mm. And then I saw the ridiculousness of the people that did decide to go fully down the rabbit hole, especially the people that had never had this alternative way of thinking before. Yes. And they want to talk. You, we're in, as soon as we're in COVID, you know, two months later, you've got all these random people talking to you about 9-11. And it's like, I've been there, God, geez, me too. But it's like, wow, this is still, it's still a thing. Yep, sure is. And there's still the narrative. There's still these people that firmly believe these specific things. And for me, going through all of that, I'm like, maybe, maybe, maybe. I literally am a maybe on so many things in life. Mm. Until I've experienced it, it's just like, it can only be known in the mind. And Vipassana taught me intellectual knowing versus experience, uh, intellectual learning versus experiential learning, which is the whole point of sitting in meditation for 10 days. Experiencing your body as a field of energy rather than actually just thinking and knowing in your mind is taught in a book. Mm, totally. I, I feel like that with um, the work that I did with Landmark Education. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very wordy and very heady, but not very embodied. And there, I am such a big believer in the experiential learning and yes. lessons as well. So I feel like there's a resonance there between you and I. And I think that's why something like a rites of passage is literally so empowering mm. to, to feel goosebumps all over me. Mm. You know, when I talk about it, it's just like, it's a visceral sensation, yeah. you know. So, what, knowing you and knowing that the magician's favorite word is maybe, what got you into more embodiment then? What was the embodiment practices that you started to learn and grow with? It was when I got into the sacred sexuality community and Neo Tantra world. Um, was that? It would have been not long before I met you, I think the year before, maybe mm-hmm. t- 2017, I started getting into that. Um, so Taste of Love was a really good way to start mingling with that community. Mm-hmm. 2018, I went to my first one, a few workshops there, pushing some pretty strong edges. And then, you know, the Mankind Project Warrior Weekend that we went on, the guts process that I went through, it was the first time I'd, I would, I, I think it was the first time I fully had a proper cathartic release. And that was substantial experience of my life. And somatic, somatic experiences like movement, sitting and feeling, but 
specifically like Esther has, was a life changer. I've only done one and I've been at craving to go back and it just hasn't lined up since 2019 when I went on my first level one mm-hmm. in Byron and seven days of that container was insane. So insane. Like realizing tiredness is a story, you know, it wasn't actually a story. It was because I was having five Barocca a day um, mm. <laughs> to get me through. But yeah, anyway, those sort of experiences for me are essential because that gets you in the body and that's where everything's stored apparently. Mm. And the trauma is in the body. The body knows. Yeah, the body, body keeps the score. But it does. So many good books, yeah. so much to learn. And learning about trauma for myself helps me understand other people. It helps me empathize with my partner. You know, when when we have something happen, I look in her eyes and oftentimes, unless I'm very triggered, I just see a, the little girl acting out. Mm. And I'm like, okay, here's my little boy acting out in reaction. Mm. Grandstand behavior. Grandstanding mm. to the max. Yeah, for people that don't know anxious attachment, um, if, if an anxious attached person... Um, starts to feel more and more anxious they can use behavior that we call grandstand behavior so it's a way for us to overreact or basically put the attention back on us Mm. is a way to do it it's a coping Mm. mechanism that i myself have used in the past and Mm. unspeknown to me i would generally bring something up on someone's birthday or at a big event or make a scene basically and i'd do it unknowingly to people to get them back and mm. be my nice guy behavior coming out sideways yeah. and it also can um, come across a passive aggressive and passive a whole bunch of manipulations yeah. absolutely yeah. i've i've done all of that in the past me too. i still do sometimes for me sure too. yeah we could sit there and talk but i'm aware it. of it so that means i'm allowed to do it <laughs> <laughs> what i know well, i'm doing it yeah it's not like i don't know i'm owning it but and I'm I'll keep doing, doing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, this is the practice, right? Like it's the, you know, knowing doesn't make the difference, but it is the definitely the awareness mm. to start. Mm. It's just like, okay. And having brothers and good partners of ours that we both have epic women in our life that mm. call us on our stuff, you know, which I personally, after nearly 20 years, I fucking love it because it makes me better. You know, as uncomfortable as it is, it's like... It's medicine. Mm-hmm. It's absolute medicine. And the the best part about it in my life has been I could I could take it from women, but I would never get feedback from men. Mm. Men would never give me feedback. And it wasn't until I sat in circle with men that men had the permission to give me feedback that didn't feel threatened by me or mm. intimidated, or maybe they still do when they're giving me feedback. But at least it's in a, like a lo- loving, kind-hearted container where you can actually get the truth. Mm. And it's not necessarily the truth, but it's a truth for a group of men that know me probably as well as I know myself because they witness me all the time. So there's a lot of safety in that. And I think it's really important for men to have that, not just have their partner be their only emotional support because I feel like that's, yeah, that that causes uh, so much pressure. For women as well. Totally. Totally. If if your partner is the only one giving you... dark feedback and reflections and whatnot you're not going to listen to them eventually it's just going to be like oh god you know blah 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 this is an argument blame 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 yeah and you don't change anything well you can but it's like the ego needs to fight a little bit more when if you get something brought to you by someone that's not your partner 
it's generally easier to take in because it's not the heat of the charge of the passion or whatever's going on in the relationship. Yeah, we usually get the best and the worst from our partner. Mm. We are the best and the worst version of ourselves to our partner as well. Yeah. So, like, oh my god, right? I own that in myself. So it's like it's great to have men's work to go to to speak to my men or my brothers about whatever might be going on for mm. me in and a way that's healthy. And oftentimes you don't even need advice back. For me, speaking, and I've had to reel this in, this year actually I became aware of it, is I have a way of, it's almost like a th- cathartic release for me by speaking about what is the issue, but it was, it's been playing out over my life a lot where I'd actually just use someone to dump on and then I'd find someone else like, straight away to say the same thing and dump on them and I'm my work at the moment is to just do that to myself like have the conversation to myself because it comes out of my voice but in men's group having the open shares is that opportunity every week just to speak and I don't want any advice tonight or I do want advice or reflections Mm. and just the speaking of it it just it's like it's like this release from the body it might not be a deep trauma release like you know some other sort of somatic work but the speaking of the problem and not holding it in is, is is so important so important it is i i i couldn't agree more and the the part of me that does that and feels that means that it's almost when it's in my mind it's not real mm. but when i speak to it it creates it like words are spells words create the world so for me sometimes i do it with either writing my journal which i journal most days or do it in any sort of other format means that it comes out of my head and mm. into the world by a pen or my voice. And I find that for me, that's so cathartic. Like yeah. It's like, it's somatic. It's that, for sure. it's that lived experience of like being witnessed and being reflected back to and no one's there trying to fix it. Mm. It's just holding space. And I think that's the beauty of it for us as men in men's group is like, we get to have that space to release you know yeah. and i don't have to bottle it up i don't have to mask it with drugs mm. i don't have to mask it with working harder or burying it or being passive aggressive at my partner mm. all the ways that it can show up negatively in my life i don't get to run that anymore i don't get to take it out on my son you know or on others that i don't like yeah or whatever projections i get to put on people it's like i could that's an old coping mechanism but I know better now. Yeah, you know, and I'm called. I'm called forward on that. Yeah, because people can see. People know. People know. Like I can tell if Mark's up. Like you know, something's up with you. So it's yeah. just like, what's up? You know, we can have those sorts of conversations. Yeah. Appreciate it. And you are able to give yourself more acceptance and love when you do start running the, those old patterns again. That's in the past were much more unconscious. Mm. You catch yourself quicker, but you're like, okay, I'm not going to shame myself for losing my shit towards this person. You know, I'll learn from it. Cool, I've got some fire and some passion, you know. It feels good. It's a bit confrontational. Mm. As a nice guy, it's good to have confrontation sometimes. Yeah. It's healthy. Why is it? Why do you think we avoid it so much? Why do you think men avoid conflict so much? Because I feel like it's systemic. I feel like at this day and age, it's almost like we can't mm. disagree. We, uh, I think a lot of well, people do. It's getting more ridiculous to even offend someone. Well, and you disagree can cause an offense, and then all of a sudden you're the bad guy because you've offended someone. Because apparently we're moving towards a world that 
is going to eradicate anything that would offend everybody. Good luck with that. That's <laughs> not trying. a world that I want to live in. No. It sounds like a one-color world. So that part of it is not wanting to offend. I feel like mm. it's on social media, it's very easy to just keyboard smash mm-hmm. somebody. But I mean like the conflict with a, with a person. So you might have someone that's said something online, but when you see them, they're nice. Mm. Like, how do you deal with that? Say, say the question again. So if someone's rude to you on social media, but then nice to your face, mm. you know, like I'm seeing a lot of conflict online, but I don't see a lot of conflict yes. in, in... There the seems to be some wall of protection when you it's like when in a car right you drive someone cuts you off you start swearing at them but you go past them you're like i'm not gonna look at them you know you pull up accidentally to the side so i can't look at them i've been running stories about you for like the last five minutes yeah but the confrontation i think i don't i don't engage in any confrontation on, on online at all i'm not good at typing fast um with stuff that's I can speak a lot clearer and intelligently than I can type. It takes me a long time. So, A, it's a time thing that I just cannot be bothered. But also, it's absolutely pointless. Some of the conversations I see are great. Others are just like, really? But I also know that when I see someone that I do know, not necessarily towards me, and then I'm like, that's not who they are. I know mm-hmm. who they are in real life. Or vice versa. They're, trying to sh- they're showing up like this online, and it's like, I know who they are. It's like, well, there is definitely an incongruency and I try to be as congruent and as authentic as I possibly can as my online version as is, and as my real-life version. But coming back to the conflict piece around, for men, for me, the word rejection is there. I want to be liked. As a, peop- as a recovering people pleaser and nice guy, my biggest fear is to not be liked mm. and to be rejected. Yeah. And so if I have confrontation with a man, he might not like me, but I also don't know how to defend myself physically so there's that there as well very rarely will a confrontation get to that point but interestingly i was listening to jordan peterson yesterday on a youtube video and he was talking about men uh, sorry women when they have conflict are more likely to gossip and try and defame the the person that they've got the conflict with whereas men are more likely to actually get physical with one another it's just like a couple of different traits and that part of the conflict about men actually scares me so the way i actually would have conflict would be more of a way in 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 what peterson was referring to as more of a a female way of conflicting gossiping and trying to make this person's name bad with with the people i'm gossiping gossiping to yeah yeah it's interesting it's really interesting Mm. Uh, you know i am the same i avoided conflict pretty much my entire life never been in a fight um, you know, last couple of years learned jujitsu, very, very confident with my ability to mm. defend myself and not get myself into trouble anymore. But fingers crossed I never have to use it on the street or yeah, something yeah, like that, man. That. It's like I think the best defense as always is run. Yeah. Use your words as Use your words. Have you seen Ozark? Yes. That for me is a definition of someone I've never seen someone, even though it's a fiction, in such sticky situations. And very rarely was there any physical violence. It was the threat constantly, but his way of talking his way out of everything 
blew my mind. Mm, it's so well it, written, that show. Oh so good. We could just, yeah, we could just sit here and talk about TV shows yeah. for probably a couple of hours. And so coming out of this um, personal development, more somatic stuff, mm. you, I heard uh, Taste of Love, Ista, Vipassana. Mm. Was there anything else? Um, dance. Segway. Great. What about it? The freedom and the permission one can give themselves to just move and express without it coming from the mind so much. You know, I have a spiel at the start of every event I do and it's about judgment. The inner critic is constantly there judging and it's the same when you want to dance. Mm. or even even during the cathartic releases it took me a long time to just okay what's actually stopping me here because i can feel the feeling and there's people around and that's fine but it's like the judgment that i feel in myself towards myself releasing like that is why i was struggling to do it so dancing was the same and i see it with people in the space this is why i do it that we're just judging ourselves and through that judgment we often aren't giving ourselves the permission to be real Mm okay, I'm going to dance right now, but a lot of my moves are coming through my mind. I've got my eyes open. I'm looking around at people. I'm judging people, but I'm kind of like, yeah, I'm looking cool. And then it's, I'll just close my eyes now and move, try and move from the body. And just really coming back to the body. Like even if it's, even if it's a fast song, I might be moving as slow as I possibly can and finding like, where is the stillness and the slowness in the chaos mm. of that song? Yeah, I've definitely experienced that with your stuff, you know, and coming from a coming from a upbringing where I used to love going to the blue light discos. I used to love dancing, you I know. Did I did uh, not. Yeah, we'd we'd dance the Rage Against the Machine, and it's like mosh and music was always such a big part of my life as well. Like my very first CrossFit gym was CrossFit Mosh Pit. <laughs> like I loved it, man. Like. Music's always been a big part of my life. Chili yeah. Peppers, like everything I remember in my childhood has got music connected to it. Listening to certain tapes of Prince and Fine Young Cannibals in the car as a kid. And I used to have Nirvana Unplugged and the Presidents of the United States on two Great. sides of a tape that I used to just play endlessly. Um, all the metal that I got introduced to by my cousin TJ at a, you know grade seven, grade eight. It was just like brilliant. Brilliant for mm. me. Matrix came out. 90s was just epic though for, for metal and music and then yeah. new metal with Corn uh, and Limp Bizkit. Because Mark and I are the same age so I can definitely understand why it was so huge for mm. both of us having music. But I, coming back to the whole dance and like conscious dance events, it seems so odd. Like the mm. amount of times in the last three years that I'm like, oh, I'm going to this dance event. People would be like, what? Mm. Like there's, what do you guys do there? What is that? And it's just like, it's like, it's drug and alcohol free dance. Yeah. It's epic. And it's like, it's actually good. You get to fully be in control, express, and you don't have to operate over the top of anything. It's just like, oh, my experience is right there and mm. real mm. and in the moment. It's like, I don't want anything to alter it. Like I want the full experience because yeah. if shame comes up or fear comes up, it's like good, you know? Kane's events as well like just the all the different ones that i've got to go to i've just absolutely loved it and the people that i've met through it's been incredible 
good, right? Yeah, so just so appreciate you and what you've done and the what you do. The experiences I've seen participants have over the years has been f- blown my mind. Hmm. Blown my mind. It's literally, I've heard the words multiple times, that changed my life, that is going to change my life. Hmm. Hmm. Just like, oh my God, I've never just like had this space to just be me and move and dance and be silly. And I love that because I've got such a good network of men. There's always mature men there that actually really tapped into their little boy. So they're running around. You know, you guys are running around and causing trouble for these people trying to have healing journeys. And you're like, yeah, I can really want to blah, blah, blah. Go to circle for that. Dance at this <laughs> event, please. Yeah. <laughs> so when did they kick off for you? Like when did this, when did this idea come about? Because it seems like the progression of moving to Australia, personal development, and then the DJ thing yeah. has been something. The DJ journey has been very interesting for me. I transitioned in 2009 because I got into drum and bass. I started, I actually, that's when I started dancing, not 2009, but a couple of years before that, actually a few years before. But it was, you know, high and drunk mm-hmm. to drum and bass. That was when I first started dancing. I loved it, but I could never dance sober. I never even tried to. Mm. So... The DJing took off in 2010 when I actually started playing a lot more variety of songs, which I do now, like different genres. You know, my event will have two hours of music and it'll be like, even though it's a conscious dance event, there's a lot of club music in there. There's a lot of nostalgic, cheesy stuff. There's a lot of journey stuff. There's a lot of tribal stuff. And I've even played a couple of metal tracks once or twice. But I was... So many years after 2009, for many, many years, I was just putting mixes and sets together in my room, like getting ready to get ready to go out there. And I played in a couple of competitions, but never having the confidence to actually commit. And I didn't like clubs anyway, Mm. but I was putting together these sets that you'd play in a club. I had a couple of experiences in 2015 in clubs and surfers. It's just like, no way. Kept mixing, just loved DJing and music. Never played anywhere. I started getting into weddings. Weddings was good because it allowed me to get a lot of stage time, even though it was background but that allowed me to build a bit of confidence even even back then. And then as coming into this deeper into the conscious community around understanding dance, I'm a DJ. I've, I've started learning, you know, getting into tribal music and more of this type of music and just formed a... I started looking for dance facilitators because I had a story that I've only just really released this year that I need a facilitator to, to be by my side to run these events. Someone that knows more than me about that stuff and I've grown into it and life has been pushing me more and more to be the facilitator in the event and I don't focus too much on the facilitation it's like I can just help people to start with different things to get them feeling safer by being there safer in their bodies so they can have a deeper journey Mm. oh it's been I've had some of the deepest journeys going through your events it's been epic you know and from indoor events to outdoor events to watching you like do stuff like with other just all the different people that you have to create yeah. your rights to dance like other facilitators yeah i know? love i love that just bringing in people to, to, to different sound healers different facilitators just mixing things up mm. facilitating myself sometimes doing the sound myself sometimes yeah yeah and so what's coming up next where's 80s. this going well who knows I mean, we didn't want to talk about COVID, but... That's been a big thing, though, like... COVID, just a bit. Just a bit, but the, the I think more the fact is, like, for me, the acknowledgement, what I want to acknowledge you for 
is that through this kept at it kept at it you know there's a period of april to july last year where we couldn't literally Mm. but since july we were out there doing it with conscious clubbing and then race of dance took off this year and i've only had to cancel two events the whole 18 months that's pretty amazing yeah and it's been extremely stressful sometimes yes i've watched that I've seen that in you. Yeah, and I feel good that I can actually, I can actually not bring the stress into the space and that was one thing I was doing a lot was bringing in my shit to the space and just bringing the energy and I'm like, I need to mature around this because I'm opening up a space for people to do some deep work and it needs to be held better. Mm. You know, they need to know that the facilitator has got his shit together. Even if he doesn't, they need to, they need to better feel that he does. So that's a big part of why I feel the events have just gotten better the last few months. More permission. Yeah, more permission and just more maturity. But yeah. thanks for the acknowledgement because it's been extremely difficult, the events industry, as we know, yeah, during this time. And our days might be numbered if I want to hire a, or even be in a council-run venue, I might need to have a, a jab at some point. Yeah. And I just don't know where it's going to go. So I'm going to keep doing it until I can't. And right now we're running some themes around the 80s and 90s, which feels really good because I actually get to come out of it's funny because I'm trying to, I've, I've gotten into this mold of, this is how I create the dance event, you know, the dance music. It's, it's, it's a formula I've gotten better at and the whole formula now has to go back to the old way of me doing it, which is more, okay, we're not going to take 30 or 40 minutes to bring everyone up. It's like, okay, here's an opening song, boom, there's a, there's a, there's a beat in the song to dance to the second song and it feels a bit edgy. Mm. But in that, there's, you know, there's an hour before the music starts. So there's all that time to give people that chance to drop in rather than having to build the music up and I can just do it. I love watching it, man. Yeah. I really like, I so appreciate what you bring for the community because I feel like for so many of us, there's no festivals to go to. Like Tani and I were going to go to Burning Man last mm, year and they right. got cancelled, you know, and then life changes very quickly, you know, and... Funnily enough, yeah. this year, Burning Man went ahead. They just did it unofficial. Oh I just wow, watched I it. I didn't even know. Yeah, post yesterday, a lot of the guys that go out there, Mike Bledsoe from Barbell Shrugged, one of my favorite podcasts, and one of my favorite humans, they went out there. They just organized it. The Jennies, the DJs, they just all went out and just did it anyway. Wow. And um, I think that's the spirit of it, and I think that's the spirit that you bring mm. you know, to, to our community and why I think you're such a big leader in it is that it's like no matter what, we're going to make this go, you know, and you've, you've ticked all the boxes. Like I couldn't imagine the hours spent behind the scenes doing what you had to do, mm. right. To make it, make it float. Just knowing that almost like this heaviness sometimes in the morning, like I've got to do a post today. I don't want to write anything today, but then it's like, that's what I get to do. Mm. This is why I got to do this. And, and it's, it's, Otherwise, I'd be working a job and I've been fired from God knows how many jobs in the last few years. I was pushed into this by life and I have to show up. You That's do. That's what I'm doing. Yeah. And I'm so there. glad that you do because for so many of us, we don't get to have an outlet otherwise. There's mm. not an outlet for dance and knowing that for so many of us, it is such a somatic healing experience. Mm. Like I've watched so many men that come to men's group and in the matter of months, not only open up their hearts and their minds, but also then start to come to dance events. Mm. You know, guys that have never danced sober, mm. that love music. Yeah. But it's just like for men, like, you know, this is men's 
mainly a men's podcast. I'm sure there's women listeners as well. Hey, girls and women. <laughs> um, but it's like, to me, it's like there's so much freedom in it. Dancing is like, dancing's like sex. It's like guys fucking love sex. We We talk about it, mm. but like making love it's like a self-pleasure practice dancing to Mm. me it's like it feels fucking good yeah so it's just like why would you not want to do it because it only feels good like yes you can resist it yes you can have shame yes you can have fear but the actual somatic feeling of moving your body in interesting ways Mm. to rhythm to beat to have fun with other people to interact to be playful Mm. to have our little boy get to shine it's like you're missing oh, yeah. out. You are. And if you're not coming... We understand why as well. And we understand that it is a journey. It's not just about can't dance, can dance in a second. But it, it, it can be. you just got to make the decision. Mm. There's so much conditioning and in, in the way of like making that decision. But my the intention for this event is helping people be more authentic by having a space where they can be more freer than they may have ever given themselves permission to be. And it's great because I feel confident that the music, I don't always get it right, but I'm beginning to get it pretty damn good pretty much every track mm-hmm. in terms of what I'm wanting to bring. You know, I, 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 I piece this together outside. Like I create the, the journey, not in the journey. I take them rather than, you know, improvising as a DJ and, going with the flow of the energy it's like no i'm constructing this this is how it's going to go yeah well to me it's like you're saying around the freedom but to me it's like vulnerability brings exactly brings me freedom because it's like vulnerability gives me power and if i can be vulnerable with anyone then i get to be more free it's like the other way around and happier yeah totally and And yeah it's going to ripple onto other people they're like oh this guy's really real like He's not wearing all those masks like I am right now, and 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 I want I want to help especially men feel, and I want to help women feel safer around being in men, being around men that are just going nuts. And it's so cool that we have all these men in the space. Gen- generally, you know, there's been points where obviously we've got to watch out for the shadowy kind of, you know, the old shadow man coming in and the predator energy which you can't always pick, but I do pride these events on having a very clean, clean men there. Representing men to the sisters because primarily dance events, conscious dance events, especially majorly, you know, vast majority women. 90, 10% probably. And I've probably had it a couple of times where there's been at least 50, 50 men. And it's like, wow, that is really cool. It is. (laughs) Personally, I love it. Yeah. Because I love that there's, Men bring a certain energy yeah. to They bring events. this boyish play. Yeah. You know, some of the women will do that, but not as much as the men. And then that creates a really cool feeling of safety for women and it gives them permission to be in their little girl and just be silly because they're not allowed to do that either, apparently. You know, their, their partner won't let their little girl shine mm. a lot of the time and sad, but that's what I want to do. It's just a bunch of children running around dancing, not talking. And enjoying the music. It's freaking awesome, man. So, this week, 80s? 1980s. Started piecing it together today. It's been all week last week. Downloading, digging, originals, various different versions, remixes, and 
I can say that the first two tracks are in excess. <laughs> it's a beautiful opening. Yes. As a Kiwi, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can't can't half tell with the good. accent. And it's funny doing this sort of thing is I'm actually, I realized I didn't actually know much about 80s music because I, I, you know, I was 15 when 2000, the year 2000 hit. So my music journey was the late 90s, which was metal and rock and punk. Mm. So I don't have any nostalgia from the 80s or much knowledge of the music. Parents weren't really into music? A little bit. I mean, I remember my mum my had Tina Turner. My dad had... What did he have? I can't remember. There wasn't much music, actually. My my influence from, from my parents musically was not much at all. Mm. It came in the form of... Uh, now that's what I call Music Volume 1, somewhere in the 90s. And it had some good tracks. And then it was like just some pop songs like Savage Garden and that in the late 90s, or the mid, mid to late 90s. And then it was... It was Green Day, Offspring, Corn, then Slipknot's first album came out in 99. I got it literally the first week it came out. I saw the cover. I just happened to be in a CD, CD store in another another city. I saw this t-shirt with the swear word on the back. I was 40. I was like, whoa. My dad was not happy. I spent all my pocket money on this ridiculous looking band. And then it just got heavier and I just was immersed for many, many years. I played guitar. I love this music. It's still my soul music. Mm. Yeah. But no influence from, not a lot of influence from my parents for that. So it's surprising, like, and I'm a very, I would consider myself to be quite a sensitive and sometimes overly sensitive man. And, you know, borderline in my life has turned, it's played out in a way of, you know, it could be soft and weak. Mm. So it's interesting that the the music that resonates for me the most is some of the most aggressive music. I don't like crazy aggressive for being the sake of aggression music. It needs to have melody and stuff. But I was thinking that recently, like why did my destiny go as this quote weak man that's since the age of 14, 13, listening to this very heavy music. I always felt like it was a part of me that I didn't know was repressed. Like it was the, I got to express the rage through the music you know, or experience. Did that. you know that that was happening then? No, but no, I just. Me neither. But I think back to it, where it was like it's okay to feel all those feelings. Like now, my my work with men is encouraging men to feel all their feelings, mm. and music was an avenue for that. So when I got to watch a heavy band play or play heavy music, it's like I got to embody mm. my aggressiveness, and it was okay, and I could use it through words and singing and guitar riffs mm. and distortion and the chaos of that and the chaos of the music but there's still a structure in it there which is. is really masculine so to me it was like oh this is my jam sport physical somatic embodied physical activity mm. but music was another way to sort of i guess the lover archetype in me is like you got to feel it mm. i got to resonate with it all because then i got into hip-hop and Mm. A whole bunch of other things when Eminem came out, but so many of the albums I I grew up with, like thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, was heavy, heavy music. Lots. Yeah, of it. it's funny. My hip hop, I love hip hop as well. A lot of different types, but my favorite type of hip hop is the more male dominated, aggressive. Usually, the lyrics are uh, conscious, but they might be a bit like kind of aggressive and confrontational. Yeah. But it's this this aggression in this music as well that I love this. I don't know if it's aggression is the right word or if it's just, there's a feeling of power and warrior energy in this type of hip hop and in metal. Even the electronic, you know, some of my favorite songs are the really heavy 
intense ones because it makes me feel powerful. I'll do breath work. My routine is breath work, like Wim Hof to metal. And sometimes I'll cry because I'm feeling so much power by the end of it. And I've realized that my feeling, when I'm feeling empowered, it's directly related to how open my heart is and vice versa. And it's like, well, metal can make me feel love. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. All the spectrum. I guess that's, I guess that's the beauty of it, right? There's beauty in the chaos. There's mm. beauty in death. There's beauty in aggression. Mm. You know, it's it's a, just a matter of consciousness and understanding. You know, and I feel like for us, they get to do this type of work. It's epic. Mm. You know, but for other people, it's just like that part of me is not welcome anywhere. Mm. I have no outlet for that. Yeah, you know, and that that mm. breaks my. There's a part of me that breaks my heart, but then there's a part of me that's like that's their journey that's other men's journey and other women's journeys mm. you know of you know how their life is going and to the point where they decide to make a change or to not to grow up but to grow uh, into to really grow into themselves into who they actually are and think about it at least so hmm, who actually am i it's the question i ask myself every yeah. day and why am i the way i am you know like there's so many things that's shaped my life. Is yeah. there anything else that's like distinct for you that really like shaped you to who you are now, the man that you are today? Uh, I think courage has been a big part. Not feeling like, uh, oftentimes still feeling that, that's that fear around being seen and, and showing up and all that, the procrastination part of me, but, Acknowledging the courage that it has taken, that that I've shown to keep down this road of discovery, no matter how wacky it seems, <coughs> I couldn't imagine living life back in, in 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 the I guess the matrix. You know, I'm still in it. It's fine. I just have awareness around it, even though I don't know exactly what's happening. I still manage to dictate my own path, and I think that's really courageous, and I love that. Mm. <coughs> um, at the moment my relationship is my my biggest growth avenue mm. my biggest initiation like th you know I'll be turning 37 soon and this is my first relationship it's just on a year in wow man it's been yeah. beautiful to watch you it's in that it's been big but sometimes <laughs> sometimes <laughs> I've watched you and I'm like I can so resonate yeah. with that just the roller coaster that it is two tough women <laughs> Two super powerful women. Two powerful tapped in embodied women. Yeah. Make it very challenging for recovery nice guys to be in their power. <laughs> but it's medicine. <laughs> oh, it's medicine. And man. if we view it as that and we keep practicing humility, then we're gonna then we're going to come uh, come more into that secure place of relating. And I feel like I'm in such a beautiful, secure place with my relationship right now. It's taking a lot of work. A lot of work, but I wouldn't change it. Mm. My anxious attachment plays out like a motherfucker mother sometimes you know yeah yeah connection to that do you think do you have any more insight into that like why it is the way it is anxious attachment yeah i think school years as well being very shy i was self-conscious about my tooth and my hair when i was coming into teenage years so i'd wear a hat a lot from the age of around 11 I'd get anxious before going into class if I knew that teacher had a, a tendency to tell me to take my hat off. 
So there's a whole bunch of insecurities that got developed, especially in my early teens. And I see them now still playing out. Or maybe they started, I started becoming aware of them generally then because they usually get conditioned and things get conditioned in before the age of like nine. Mm. Um, but a quite a sheltered, protective childhood, I think, played, out, played a part as well. You know, what I spoke to before. Yeah. Uh, but there was a big fear of, of anything being seen when I was a teenager. So massive social anxiety. I get anxiety before going out drinking, and then once I've drunk, it's like, okay, cool, I'm happy. I was the last one out. Yeah, right. Wow. The days. The growth. Yeah, it's fascinating to look back on, and I love it. I'm very grateful. I'm proud of myself, and it's something I try to do with my clients as well is get them to meditate just for even a moment on, on, on healthy pride, acknowledging themselves for the challenges that they've experienced and faced in their life and we don't do that very often you know a client of mine recently was sharing she had a big one of her children and i know that she has all this fear and guilt around not being the parent she wants to be and so i was like before, you know i say stop okay just close your eyes breathe that feeling in breathe in how proud you feel as a mother and the way you handle that situation she mm -hmm. started crying it was amazing because we usually like we we don't stop and actually feel the winds we just dwell on all the things we need to fix and change because we want to be happy. And it's like, okay, well, that can work on one side, but if we're not acknowledging ourselves and, and feeding that the cells with positive acknowledgement from ourselves, it's number one acknowledgement we need from ourselves, then we'll still be in that kind of like looking at the negatives and needing to fix the negatives. And so that was profound, actually. It just dropped in randomly, and it was very powerful, and I love that. And mm. I still don't practice it very much. <laughs> <laughs> I forget. Because, you know, it's a, it's a habit to develop. It sure is. The gratitude one, like mm. being grateful. Three things are you grateful for. I try and do that each morning in mm. my gratitude, in my journaling. Yeah. Mine's, mine's that. Three, three things. Uh, Tim Ferriss, one. Tim Ferriss. Uh, today I'm grateful for, and then what would make today great. And then the end of the night is three amazing things that happened today, and then I could have made today better by, and it's all just three different things. And I don't like journaling. But that, for me, every day, morning and night, it's a simple way to like keep checking in. And I go back on it, I'm like, wow. Wow. There's a lot of entries about my partner in the last year. <laughs> what made today great? <laughs> blah, 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 this. I could have made today better by, yeah, I'm not doing this in my relationship and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> well, it's a good milestone, right? And that's the thing. And that's the, the part of me that really loves that structure. You know, because my brain won't mm. naturally give myself gratitude. Mm. But if I have to sit there and write about what I'm grateful mm. for, then my brain can switch off. Yeah. And my inner critic can just hush for a while. Because yeah. the ego and the magician are besties sitting in the back of my okay, brain, yeah. just yapping away at each other. And I need to sew off. This is where he can be better. He should do this. <laughs> What's he doing? Yeah. So loud. So, so loud. Yeah. All right, man. Mm. Thank you so much for being Thank on you. the show. I so appreciate it and love you, man. Okay, let's get the circle up. It's time for men's group. It is tonight. Yeah. Hey, so if someone listens to this post-80s, what else have you got coming up? 90s part two. Great. 80s part two. Yep. Um, 90s part three. And then maybe 80s part three. Oh, yes. What about that? So we've got a, uh, the next... October 26th, there might be an indoor, in, an indoor event beforehand, but October 26th, Madhubar Showgrounds, we've got 
Rites of Giants Valhalla, which is going to be a big dress up as a Viking, embody your Viking in a fun way. Bring your kids. There's going to be a full full ceremonial experience, some activities, full dance journey, sound healing, cacao, under the stars. And it's going to be... I've, I've been looking forward to this all year. Me too, man. I really am. And praying that we get a nothing goes getting shut down in Queensland we're so lucky in Queensland man extremely lucky we have very good here yeah I'm very grateful to be here versus anywhere else in Australia yeah and I'm I'm trying to remain focused on being hopeful not fatalistic as in oh it's just an, an, an inevitable so maybe it's not for us time will tell man time will tell and there's no point in for me I had to stop myself the last few weeks because I kept I needed to check the news every day stop yeah, I'll hear about anything I need to hear about. You offer your life. Yeah, you know. But yes, yeah, so that's happening. Uh, I'm a spiral practitioner as well, so um, yeah, constantly moving through that work with various clients. I love that so much, and I'm so grateful I went and trained in that last year. Um, it gives me a, a way to pivot my income online, developing a coaching. Uh, I don't want to use this word coaching, but that's the word to use right now. Change facilitator. Yeah. I just feel it's. I love one on one. It it seems to just flow. I. Yeah. Yep. And how can people find you? Mark Pringle on Facebook. Mark. Underscore Sankara on Instagram. And Rights of Dance on both as well. But Facebook mainly. Just send me a friend request. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, man. Appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone. Thanks for listening in and tuning in on the Men on a Mission podcast. Follow us on Spotify. Give it a like. And uh, we'll see you guys next time. Goodbye. Wow, it's interesting how...